0: This is Season 2, Episode 15 of the Language Mastery Show, with Dr. Gareth Hopkins. Here's a little sample of what's coming up.
1: Do you really want to learn the language, first of all? Uh, What level do you want to achieve? Do you just want to order a few beers, or do you want to eventually try and, you know, be able to have conversations easily at an advanced level, or what? Know why you're doing it, make sure it's a strong enough reason, because it is a long journey to get to a good level. And then you've got to let habit take over. So carve out a slot, make it a part of your routine, as as I do, and then break it down.
0: Welcome back to the Language Mastery Show. This is your host, John Fotheringham. In today's episode, I chat with Dr. Gareth Popkins, a lawyer, historian, and a former English and Welsh teacher who speaks a number of languages and has recently embarked on Japanese as well. We talk about how he learns languages, his favorite resources, and much, much more. Enjoy the chat. Hello, Dr. Popkins.
1: So, um, but I'm in a good mood at the moment because I've just started my month off, so I have an annual sabbatical from work each year. Nice. Unpaid. You know, I negotiated with my boss a few years ago. Sure. And in addition to my normal vacation, so... Mm. Uh, I'm actually staying here this time to focus on how to get fluent and my own language learning. So, um, nice. Uh, that's you know uh, great. So I'm in a good mood today. the first day of it. So, well, um, given I don't work days normally, I only work four days a week. Yeah. So, uh, day is part of the weekend for me. <laughs> but, um, so I'm going to be ramping up with the work on the Japanese nice um because um, i still can't really say anything but i'm making progress anyway more yeah. or less so. but your
0: comprehension uh, is i'm sure coming right along well
1: and... well i don't know things that you know i think there's movement underneath the surface sure. if you like yeah like, a gestation period an earthquake, yes yeah right right uh, put it that way so how have you been since the gathering then you enjoyed the gathering i, tell I you. did so, yeah
0: yeah it was a. Uh, I mean it was a uh, just you know non-stop uh
1: jamboree
0: jamboree yeah and and coming right after i was just at another conference of sorts um just the weekend before here in the states uh and then right after i went to the uk so it was a lot of back-to-back uh fun and excitement which can be a little taxing for a introvert i'm an outgoing introvert but i still you know i it takes energy for me to
1: that's right talk to other people be the same yeah. yeah the same I think yeah yeah
0: so it took me it took me a couple weeks to fully I think recover uh in terms of energy after all that but uh kind of process everything and there was just I mean so much uh to see and learn and do and meeting so many new people and I mean I have pages and pages in my journal of notes from talks and interesting conversations and but yeah it was uh I'm glad I went I'm glad I went I almost didn't and uh I can't believe I I've gone 10 years being in this world and never having gone to any of these events. So I'm Yes, no
1: you said that on I don't know it was on your blog or on Twitter or somewhere. Mm-hmm. I saw on the on the on Facebook in the group but yeah, I, I um uh yeah, you know, what's been keeping you?
0: <laughs> I mean, well, like I said in the the post I wrote about it, I think it was uh largely fear. It was, yeah. Yeah. you know, if, fear of being thought a fraud because here I am at a polyglot conference. And thinking, well, I'm not a polyglot, I only speak a few languages, and for whatever reason, I still don't know where this came from. But in my head, I thought a polyglot means you speak five languages fluently, yes. like,
1: like yeah, like
0: interchangeably, like by you know, not bilingual, yeah. but quintilingually, yeah. you can switch back and forth between these languages. And it's such an absurd, uh, you know, barrier, uh, or or definition that most polyglots themselves would say would agree, like, that is not yeah. the definition, there really is no definition.
1: There's this problem with the naming, really. I mean, I think that's great. It's great that Langfest has changed its name mm. from the North American Polyglot Symposium, which is what it was the first year. Was oh, that right? Um, um. So, to, to, yeah, because that word "polyglot" just um, excludes people. It does. Uh, they, yeah, you know, and self. Uh, I yeah. Self exclusion. Yeah. I felt often. the same. You know, the first the first one I went to, the very first gathering, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm. You know, reason, You know, I'm fluent in, I'd say, confidently in German, Russian, and Welsh, and quite fluent, sort of B two C one border with French. Mm-hmm. But that's it, you know, at that level. And then I've dabbled right. in a whole host of other languages, sure. but I'm not one of these, you know. Uh, and I never use the word polyglot about myself because, right. uh, uh, for that reason, you know, that, yeah, uh, which may but, be
0: part of the problem because people like you and I, uh. Maybe we don't use the word. And so people that do use the word only see, you know, the Richard Simcots of the world, for example. Yes. yes who use yeah. you know fourteen languages professionally and they think yes. that's that's what a polyglot is. And so if I'm not that, I have no business going to one of these events, which is such a shame because I mean, you can have no fluency yet in a foreign language, and I think these events would be all the better for you. Because that's then right. you're gonna yeah. be around people that have, you know charted the path ahead of you so they can share their notes you can get inspired you can you know get tips um yeah i i really i really do encourage anybody who has any interest i think interest being the key not ability but any interest in foreign languages then yes yeah langfest polyglot conference polyglot gathering you know or even just any local meetup just get off your bum and go
1: <laughs> yeah exactly no yeah. i agree i agree
0: so how many have you gone to so far how many of these kind of events
1: uh, well, I've done all six gatherings and wow. uh, five of the six, if that's where we're up to, of the conference. I missed the first one because uh, I found out about it too late. Mm-hmm. It was the famous Budapest one, which was about, I don't know, 20 people. i much smaller. Oh, wow. Uh, a bit bigger than that, but not much. I know, and I've last not year been was to Langfest. 700, which is Yeah, I've not been nuts. to Langfest at all because for me – coming over the pond just for a long weekend sure. is too much. It's too much of a strain and it's too expensive. And I don't, I haven't made the time to take a two week holiday, which is what I'm doing for Japan, mm-hmm. but I've never been to Japan. I've been to Canada already. So, uh, it's a bit different in that sense. So, but at some point, you know, I would want to come to that because several people who've been to a lot of them, all of them say that Langfest is the best. So, mm. Um, you know, that's what I've heard from, or I, everyone speaks well of it anyway. So that's good to know.
0: Yeah. I don't yeah. know if we're going to be able to get up there or not. I mean, even though it's much closer geographically to me than yes. Bratislava yeah. was, uh, this last month, um, I've got a lot of other competing priorities. And if I do go to the polyglot conference in Japan, which I really would hope to, I think I might have to pick one of the other yes. financially. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the other thing as well in terms of the sort of time, money, effort trade-offs. Right. Also, there's other stuff going on in all our lives, and enjoy these events as as much as I do. With a limited resources and time, two a year is enough, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, The particularly since I did the this summit as well, the one you were going to go to but didn't, you know, earlier on. So it's quite a lot of flying around. It's quite a lot of vacation time. Uh, And it sort of worked well for me with the gathering in the sort of the end of the spring, the beginning of the summer, and then sort of bookending the year almost with the conference. There's been a nice sort of arc Mm -hmm. to each year for me for the last five years. Um, I quite like it. So, um, but yeah, I've got to at some point, um, you know, when I've worked out how to make A living from my site yeah i will uh be doing this all the time it's setting it off against tax you know like (laughs) (laughs) so many of the people we know do um, all right yeah it's definitely
0: it's definitely doable i think there's a a certain amount of just doing the right things enough of the time for a long enough period of time yes um, which which i've done some of the right things some of the time off and on but never enough for a long enough period of time but um so far this year i'm i've this is the most consistent i've ever been with with blogging with podcasting with, with writing um i've really I, i'm quite pleased with how how consistent i've been because that's always been a struggle for me
1: um right, yeah so are you still are you earning something else at the moment though as well no Do yeah you?
0: no I, right. I actually i left my last job um last July so a year ago almost to the day uh to focus completely on this so and yeah it's it's yeah
1: wow wow gosh so is the mainstream for you the uh the mastery guide then is that the main stream, at, at the or? moment
0: yeah so master japanese is the main one um yeah. but this is actually the first time i've talked about this publicly but i'm actually uh toying with doing a few other guides next so yeah it's kind of a toss up i might do master english Next that there's a lot of interest in that and always yeah. has been, um, the, the challenge is, you know, do, do I do a guide for a language that I am still very much a beginner in, uh, and then just kind of share, share, you know, be a, be a learner on the same journey, or do I wait until I've reached a certain level of fluency and then sort of share what I did? Yes. Uh, yeah. That's, that's kind of a, a tension I'm kind of trying to figure out. Um, cause I don't ever want the, um, implied message to be oh i'm you know the title's master x right i don't want people to think well i'm saying i'm a master of x and so you know i can do that more with japanese or with others with mandarin to some degree but um i'm not there yet with like with spanish or french or other languages that i want to write about so so we'll see
1: And have you thought about, you know, talking to a literary agent for some sort of book deal with Japanese? Because, you know, the mastery guide is of such a high quality that you don't want to undercut yourself and find you're getting a minuscule royalty for a published book with that material. But something else you could do, maybe a slimmed down version or a different angle, because it would be probably great for credibility and visibility, I suppose. Uh, Not so much for income, but indirectly indirectly it sort of feeds in i don't right. know that's something i with your level of expertise on japanese that in particular but you know it could be a broader thing i suppose but might be worth looking at but when that actually happens you know i'm not yeah. sure there's necessarily a set time when it has to happen right so.
0: yeah and it in some sense it would there's always the the concern that it would cannibalize with yes other things that's it yes, um, yeah and one of the one of the people that i read pretty extensively from and then influenced a lot of how i did things is a guy named nathan barry i don't know if you're familiar with him
1: oh right i he don't wrote, know him no. he
0: wrote the book authority which is if you look at the title it's the
1: okay I'll the part
0: of its author so it's author it is yeah. kind of how it's designed so it's how to be an authority as an author um nathan barry but his his book and his his tips on sort of he he only publishes through his own website he actually intentionally does not go through a publisher even though he very well could get a a book deal yes he doesn't sell on amazon and he doesn't sell in in the apple ibook store just because one you don't yeah the, the royalties are so slim you don't get connection with your customer you know you don't have their email you don't have any way to connect with them um and you can't offer packages and that's one of the, yes, the yeah. key ways to really make a living doing this is not just selling the book, but having some package with extra bonuses and interviews and all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, definitely check it out. Authority. Yeah, um, I will do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all exciting
1: stuff. It right? is. It is. Stuff. And, and, you, you and to, It's just a question of getting the, cause it is a science as much as an art. It's about, sure. as you say, doing the right things and it's not a mystery what they are. Uh, you know, it, because we can all read the books and, you know, talk mm-hmm. to people who've already done it, but actually doing it is still a different thing in a way. Definitely. And um, doing the, yeah. w-
0: what my wife and I always call the big scaries, you know, it's the things that are the most intimidating and, and scary. They're often the most important. And they're the things you put off yeah. and put off, you do all this administrative minutia that is safe, that doesn't really move the needle. And then yes. you could have taken yeah. all that time and energy, probably ignored or at least just done a tiny bit of that stuff and put that all toward the really important stuff and you yes. you'd be yeah. all the better. But.
1: Yeah, I feel the same.
0: So, did you start doing Japanese in anticipation of doing the conference or Yes,
1: that's right, just in January. So, I'd for a long time been wanting to try and um, my sister was living in Beijing until two months ago and she goes back a long way with Chinese just as does her husband. So, there's a sort of link there. But I felt more attracted to Japan, actually, even mm-hmm. though I don't know that, that much about Japan. Uh, so this just provided a nudge, I think, to mm-hmm. have a go at Japanese. So,
0: well, it's a why. Uh, it's a it's a really potent, timely, tangible why. Yes, which is so it is important. for the
1: for the sort of medium turn. term. Yeah. Yes, and also just the writing system, the kanji particular you know being that they're also for chinese mm-hmm. i don't want to die not understanding them mm. you know, uh, to it's me, a bucket it's,
0: list kind of thing
1: you're walking along the street and you see the letters up there you know it's you know you're back as an illiterate and uh who wouldn't want to know that's how that works and it's quite daunting because I've, I've now actually postpone doing the character those characters and this is maybe when i do the one with you next week this is something we can talk about sure. but when you start learning them but uh but the fact you've got to learn 2200 of these you know in high school you know which uh, you recommended in the master i got you know um to be at the level of someone graduating from school you know right <laughs> so and book three of japanese from zero the textbook i'm using says oh we're gonna do the first 50 kanji yeah doesn't tell the reader there's 2200 of them right well <laughs> so there's good news and bad news i got, news. To, I got yeah. to 200 in high sig but uh, not actively but right. just reading it through quickly yeah. right
0: yeah no i the i I always start with the fact there's actually fifty thousand kanji in existence roughly uh but that you know, the Japanese government did you a a solid, usually the government when they interfere in languages is usually a bad thing. They, but this is one case where we should be grateful that they, they took all those (laughs) down and constrained it to 2,136. Yes. Yeah. Of course still sounds like a lot, but, um, you know, you're not gonna do them all at once. You're going to do them one by one. It's the, um, there was a great interview with, uh, Will Smith years ago on the, um, what was it? The, What's his name? Whatever Rose show. Anyway, he was telling the story that when he was a kid, his dad had him and his brother build a brick wall. They're doing some reconstruction. And the kids were freaking out like, oh, my God, it's just it's going to take forever. It's such a big project. And his dad looked at them square in the eye and said, just pick up a brick and lay down that brick and make that brick as perfect as you can. That's all you see. That's all you're going to do is that brick. And then pick up the next one and you're going to do all your attention and focus on that one single brick. And so instead of thinking about this, how the whole wall or the whole project, you think about the single brick. And I, I look at kanji the same way. And it, yes, it may be semantics. Yes, it may just be a little psychological judo trick you're trying to do. But it really does help, I think, to think about the individual, not the whole. Because you're not learning 2,136 kanji. You can't learn that. You're learning a kanji and then another.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I hope I can
0: help you or others that are. Yes.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. But I have been enjoying it. I mean, because it's not like language learning. Actually, it's a different part of my mind almost as well. Right. It's a sort of puzzle and a logical thing. And well, it's, and it's a technology. A artistic. yeah.
0: People yeah. people forget that the writing is a technology. It's a human technology yeah. that was invented. It's not. It, you know, listening and speaking is a innate you know if you believe in evolution which i hope you do it's an evolutionarily endowed
1: yes, yes. you know
0: thing but reading and writing is not that is actually a technology that you know there's and now i it's different but you could think of it in the analogy of learning to code for example you know you have to learn to code for a computer it's the same thing you have to learn to read and write mm-hmm. um, but as to your point earlier i mean uh, seeing those things written in kanji not being able to understand them and then later being able to understand them it's it's a f- wonderful feeling it really is yes yeah. yeah um so anyway yeah it's Something fun. look forward to yeah Isaac will help there are other ways too i i think i i still i mean even two decades later i still think Isaac's the best at least as your foundation but there are lots of other i think tools to augment it um you know there when he wrote that you know there weren't the internet was just beginning. I mean, there, there, you know, apps didn't exist yet for on your. You didn't have a you know supercomputer in your pocket yet, um, but I still think um, the problem with a lot of the apps now is you're losing that tactile part of the learning experience, which I think in and of itself helps. Um, I mean, you know this when you read a physical book, you can remember what where something was on what page, but when you read it in a Kindle book you don't, you have no idea where, where it was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's just getting off the phone as well, to be honest. So um, I know you're a fan of using the technology Anki and so on, but I've gone back on to paper flashcards because Oh I, lo- I love uh, paper
0: flashcards, yeah. Yeah, I, I
1: just want to break from the phone to be honest. Sure, Not that sure. there's anything wrong with Anki, but no, no. I just I'm gazing at a screen all the time, Correct. you know, whether it's in the office, editing video, writing a blog post right. or checking the news, you know. Right, so right.
0: I think the, the only thing with paper flashcards you have to be careful of is, as you know, is you're you're losing the automatic scheduling yeah. for yes. for an SRS yeah. system, space repetition. But yeah. You do you do like a Lightner system or well you can yes yeah. yeah I have in the past
1: yes I'm just restarting yeah right. it's something I did again 20 years ago with other languages mm-hmm. um, but I haven't done recently right.
0: so we'll link to that in the show notes it can be done you can you can use a certain system in yes. in a box yes. where you put things into different categories based on how easy it was and That's um, yes you know and there is the argument that doing it with paper cards in a sense is harder and harder is actually maybe better. The heart, you know, they say that writing by hand is better for memory because it is harder and takes more time.
1: Yes. When things yeah. are
0: easy, it doesn't stick because it just yes. goes right through.
1: That's it. Yes.
0: Yeah. Are, are there, so other than switching back to like paper flashcards, what are some other uh, things maybe you've changed in how you learn now versus earlier on?
1: Well, I, when I was first. Learning, getting fluent in Welsh and French and in Russian and German, I deliberately and systematically got books of vocabulary yeah. themed, and I sort of flashcarded over a period of six months the books, you know, mm-hmm. because I felt I wanted to take a systematic approach because uh then I I felt it would give me a certain amount of confidence and Uh, Yet in recent years, I sort of moved away from that and just went a bit more with the flow, put a lot more emphasis on trying to speak much earlier than I had done with the previous languages. Mm -hmm. And uh, I haven't found that's worked as effectively uh, in recent years with other languages. So I'm sort of with the Japanese now reverting to this idea of trying to get the map almost in my head. And a good basic core vocabulary of a couple of thousand words that I can actively recall in phrases, you know, because mm-hmm. chunking is a good idea using right. context. And um, so that's, you know, what I'm doing, wanting to do now, really, to go back to what I was, the way I used to work actually 20 years ago.
0: Right. Yeah, I I almost think in a way it's sort of a fashion trend or a cycle right what is there's there's fashions about what is the cool thing or the right thing to do in language learning and it kind of goes through these periods and definitely you know speaking early and often is sort of what's in vogue now and i i don't think it's necessarily a bad advice and i i actually was talking about this on twitter the other day when some somebody had asked um oh, i was kirsten Gable that asked you know what's the bad advice that you've heard lately or ever in language learning. And I said, oh, wait to speak till you're ready. Because as a perfectionist, I never feel ready. I'm never going to feel 100% ready to start talking. So I know for myself and people like me, I'm going to have to force myself to get out of my comfort zone far before I am quote unquote comfortable. But then others out there, You'll be like Steve Kaufman. He's like, no, 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 just wait. Wait till you feel comfortable, which I think is perfectly valid advice for those that will actually start at some point. So you have to kind of figure out based on your personality, you know, am I the kind to put off action based on some lofty goal of perfection? Or am I somebody who says, just go with the flow and I'll just start doing it when I want to and it'll be fun. I think you have to figure out which camp you yeah but, but
1: i'm not sure whether it's necessarily such you know either or in that sense absolutely so it's, have, yeah it's false dichotomy say, say, yeah. try and learn 2000 words and then launch yourself right uh for example uh try and get on top of some of the basic structures and so to me then the key variable is not whether you're a perfectionist or not but whether you're maybe more of a people person who mm. likes going in you know, diving straight in, or whether you are more of the sort of calculating, preparing, methodical introvert type Mm -hmm. person uh, that I am, and doesn't want to leave it all to accident. I don't know. So I think personality Mm -hmm. type in various ways influences that decision. But I agree, there's no right answer whether you should start from speaking from the very first days or not.
0: Right. Yeah, I I think this is a problem in all the communities that I participate in in the, you know, health and nutrition world, which is where I've spent much of my career in the last decade. Um, there's a lot of this problem where people find it works for them and they assume that that is a universal truth. And then they espouse it to everybody. Like, you know, the perfect way to eat is this. Like, you know, you gotta do, you know, paleo is the only way or vegans the only way. And it's like, well maybe that worked for you, but that doesn't mean it's gonna work for everybody. And I think the same thing here. So um, but when you know when you're starting out I think you have to throw a lot at the wall and see what sticks.
1: Yeah. And
0: yeah. you know it's since you've been doing this so long I think you've had this time to try try out lots of different things and and see is there anything that's worked for you that surprised you that you thought wasn't going to be very effective and it was?
1: <laughs> Not there? really. No, I don't think there is. I think the magic ingredient Really, there are two. One is, yeah, a lot of, and again, this is, people are talking about this a lot at the moment, yeah. a lot of good audio input. And mm-hmm. when I started, it was the shortwave radio because I'm that ancient trying <laughs> to pick up Russian radio. And then when I started Russian for the first couple of weeks, I was dutifully listening every night to what I thought was Russian. And it turned out it was Ukrainian ah. uh, to, on the shortwave radio. But now it's so easy to get get good audio input. The other thing is, yeah, you've got to do what you want to get good at. So we're talking about speaking, but also writing skills, which is something I've been trying to improve in my Russian and German recently. You've just got to practice a lot. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think the key ingredient is just persistence. You know, it's not giving up and believing eventually that if you can speak one language, you know, you can speak another language it's just a question of continuing to get get in the practice. Right. And that's the key thing I think.
0: And That does seem to be one of those common unifying threads amongst polyglots that I've talked to. You know, most people assume, oh they're just really good at languages. That's that's what makes them a polyglot. And I'm like, I, uh, maybe maybe in some cases, you know, there are there are definitely savants out there that they just have this peculiar ability. But I think most people, I mean, I would say out of the what is it now um 35 or so interviews i've done for this podcast i mean i would say most of them they're just really really interested in languages and then to your point they're consistent they spend a metric ass ton of time immersed in languages speaking languages reading languages writing languages
1: that's it, and that's what people don't realise, and uh, then have unrealistic expectations. Encouraged, of course, in a way by the whole language industry. You know, right, right. you know, fluent in a month or whatever. You see books like this on sale, yeah. courses offered at language schools, and yeah, it, it's uh, it's true that. You know that well we've all got different talents, haven't we? that's what I say. I do think some people do have an advantage. some people have better working memories they're mm-hmm. just brighter, but we all have different strengths and weaknesses, so there's no point it seems to me looking at someone else and you know i I always envy people who can mimic mimic accents you know in English too, I have friends who can do that and they'll do other people's voices, and it's yep. hilarious. Yep. The only problem is you never get to hear the one of you, of course because <laughs> that's only done when you. Absent. Right. Uh, but I really wish I could do that. And I don't think these people have spent time practicing that, you know, you can do. But I think yeah. it's something that comes natural. Yes. Uh, naturally. And similarly with, yeah, you know, some people can remember things better than others. But we've all got certain abilities that we can, you know, leverage, horrible word, but yes. make the most of. So it's sort of know thyself, isn't it, yes. is one of the keys. And again, that goes back to what you were saying about um how do you go at the beginning as regards launching in and speaking when do you do that you've got to know yourself Mm -hmm. uh to you know to make it on this long journey
0: absolutely yeah i i i love this idea of taking what you're naturally good at and applying it to language learning because again there's that pervasive myth that you're either good at languages or you're not and it's rubbish i mean it really is and you know, to your point about imitating, that that's probably the one natural advantage I had with languages is I, I do I do impersonations. I do voices, and I love it. And to, you're absolutely right. I don't sit around practicing all the time. People assume that that I'm at home in the mirror, you know, doing my Obama or doing my Bush and yeah. it's like no 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 no. I it just I can either do an accent usually or I can't. I can kind yes. of feel it or imagine how it'll feel in my mouth to to do it. And if I can't imagine that, I can't do the voice. Yeah, I have it or I don't. Um, and when I first started with, with foreign languages, that it was both a blessing and a curse, actually, because my pronunciation ended up being far, far more advanced than my vocabulary or my syntax. And so a lot of times I would have memorized a phrase, pronounced it, you know, I'm not going to say perfectly, but pronounced it comprehensibly. And so somebody would assume my fluency level is much higher than it was. And then they would respond with something and it was like, "Who?" i you know i didn't had no idea what they were saying back to me and i barely understood what i even said i just had sort of phonetically figured it out so
1: but yeah that's an enviable skill to have but as you say there's no point me you know wishing uh you've got to look at each of us has got to look at you know what we can do and uh, but my memory is
0: piss poor for example yeah Yeah. it really is i have a really hard time you know remembering new words you know remembering new structures um um, I do I'm familiar with multiple intelligences, this
1: yes. the theory, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes.
0: so, and it's a theory and it's controversial and, and some psychologists think it's, you know, pseudoscience, but I think it's a useful framework at least to look at these things. And so when I do that survey, my linguistic intelligence is one of my lowest of the nine, which goes to show that this same idea, you know, but my, um, musical intelligence, even though I don't play any instruments, but. You know, this idea of having the ability to hear something and imitate it would, I think, be an example of, of musical intelligence. Um, so, so yeah, find out what you, – you can do one of those surveys online. You know, figure out what are your your strongest, um, quote-unquote, intelligences. I think you could use just call it interests or proclivities, whatever you want to call it. Maybe intelligence is too loaded of a word, and that's why it's so controversial. But um, figure out what those are, and then, to your point, you can then leverage that in, in language learning. So, you know, maybe, maybe your interpersonal intelligence is through the roof. Like then you're the person that, you know, you go to a party. I want you, even if you know five words, I want you to be using those five words with somebody in real time. Um, but I'm imagining, you know, maybe you and I are, our, our intrapersonal intelligence is probably higher knowing our own thoughts and our own thinking. So, you know, we're the ones with the books, the stack yeah, of books same. behind yes. us, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But that's true, of course. Yeah. If you're not such a studious type and you think, oh, I haven't got the discipline to sit, you know, doing focused study, which is a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. You get out there in the market, you know, and you start you start haggling or you Mm -hmm. uh, as you say, you go to parties and you make sure that you are put in situations where that will happen. So your challenge becomes recalibrating your vibrant social life to make sure you're in harm's way with the language and not just hanging out with a load of expats, you know, proverbially. Um, So we've all got different challenges once we understand uh, the way we are going to skin this cat, as it were.
0: Absolutely. So uh, we were talking earlier about the fact about take a sabbatical. And so you're gonna have a lot more time to throw at language learning. So what I'd love to know is two things when you're working, full-time in a normal schedule what does a day of language learning look like for you and then the converse of that now that you're going to have a lot of time to throw out language learning what's an ideal day of language learning look like
1: yes well i'm lucky i'm about to start this month's annual sabbatical i have from the office and so that is a special period as you say normally though i try to do something in the morning so i like to work in half hour slots Mm -hmm. i use a timer that helps me get into it and i set it for 30 minutes it's sort of the cost of starting then is lower because it's not very long not allowed to do anything else distracting after during that time and then i get into the flow and i often do a bit more right so i try and do one two or three slots depending on how early i wake up in the morning but at least one sometimes that will be a language lesson booked one to one using skype with a with a tutor I find booking in uh, blocks of lessons in advance, so planning out the next month, for example, looking at the teacher's schedule is a great way to box yourself in so that there's no escape. But then with those lessons coming up each week, I try and prepare them in advance so that I'm reinforcing the preparation in the actual lesson itself and getting some of this spaced repetition, as you said into the language learning. So that's the focus study on the, on the days or in the slots when I don't have a lesson booked. And that's most of them actually, because I'll do that two or three times a week with the teachers. I'm usually working in the textbook, reading it, reading the explanations, doing exercises, or writing essays if I'm working towards a language exam. For example, I was doing in advanced Russian a couple of years ago, I was writing a lot of, a lot of essays and having them corrected, that sort of thing. And then on the way to work, I am usually listening to an audio course, or I'm working with flashcards physically or electronically, or I'm reading, I've got a commute of about half an hour, so I can be reading in in the language. And then also I like to build in a bit of audio when I'm shaving in the morning, I will have, at the moment it's Basque radio playing, Mm. And it's been like that for the last couple of years. So I'm understanding more and more that's native level. But one could also play the audio from that comes with a course, an audio course that you have. So a lot of audio exposure. And I managed to fit all that in around my uh, my working day. I don't, you know, people often say, use the snatch every five minutes that you can. And that is true. And I do that so you could take my commute as an example of mm-hmm. that. I do think if you want to make consistent, serious progress, uh, you need to be setting aside more than ten, fifteen minutes a day. You know, I sure. think half an hour minimum, really, uh, and ideally a bit more is is what what one would go for. But yeah. you know. Uh, something is better than nothing. Because right. with language, at the end of the day, it's the the total number of hours that you need to put yes. in, isn't rather than right. the years or whatever right. 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 that clocks up. And now that I'm lucky enough to have this sabbatical, it will really, I think, be more of the same. Mm-hmm. I'll be doing other things as well, but I'll be increasing the amount of time I'm spending on Japanese to an hour, an hour and a half a day, and similarly with with Basque, mm-hmm. maybe an hour a day, so that a good chunk of the morning will go on. On language learning Uh, you need to have breaks you need to be doing other things Uh, we've all got other things going on as well but it's even Uh, so that's the plan anyway
0: advantageous in some ways to to step away i mean if you had let's say you had 12 hours available in a day to to learn languages and you just spent 12 hours straight learning that's actually probably less effective than let's say doing six hours broken up with an hour in between each slot or something Right. right
1: yes yes Uh, And one other thing I do is, you know, I I do watch quite a lot of television in my advanced languages. So using YouTube mainly. Mm -hmm. So I follow various, uh, you know, films and sitcoms and so on in Russian and in German. Any favorites that you
0: can
1: share? Well, there's one called Kuchnya in Russian, which is a comedy set in a... Uh, set in a kitchen, which is mm. very fun, uh, a bit slapstick. Uh-huh. There's one called Rentner Cops, so Retired Policeman in German, which is about these two elderly guys who've been brought back out of retirement to solve various um, uh, cr- cr- crimes in set in Cologne, I think it is. Uh, and that's good fun as well. So there, too, I've been watching a, a lot of. There's been a Russian drama recently on called Nakrayu, which was set in Syria, very, very topical. Uh, A couple of people kidnapped and the attempt to rescue them. So that's been fascinating. Uh, And now I'm going to be looking towards, you know, finding some basic level stuff in Japanese. I haven't really started that yet, but uh, because it's really important, you know, you're talking about, you know, when you started speaking with a great accent, but then you couldn't hear the reply. Right. And of course, when we focus on speaking, it's easy to forget that lis- a good conversation, half of it is listening skills. Or more. <laughs> and yeah. And um, so getting some good, you know, input with the Japanese audio input is something that I really need to do in the next few months now quite urgently. Um, over and above the audio course, which I've been using, which is the Slur course, mm-hmm. Uh, in advance of my arrival. Otherwise I'm gonna be, you know, in the airport and I won't understand a thing. You know, and it'll be very, very depressing.
0: Well, I, I may have some suggestions for you for things to work. Uh-huh. So yeah. Good. Good. I know yes. a guy.
1: Do let me know. <laughs> yeah. Do let me know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's lots. Yeah. I mean now I, when I when I first started writing Master Japanese in twenty ten, I mean, even then it seemed like there was just so much to you know, so much Japanese stuff online and that was a big impetus for the guide in the first place was to help sort of filter out the noise and help people just focus on what I consider the best of the best stuff for different levels. Um, but of course now fast forward 10 years, there's, you know, multitudes more, uh, out there and it's easier than ever and the content's better than ever. And so, um, yeah, struggling to keep up with (laughs) how much great Japanese content there is now, but, I guess it's a high-class problem to have.
1: It is, yeah. It's a nice problem to have. As I say, remembering when I first started, it was 30 years ago, really, I'm afraid to say, uh, you know, the best that you had was shortwave radio. And then in the Russian Studies Center in Oxford, where I was a grad student, uh, we suddenly got satellite TV. You know, you could right. watch the Soviet, as it still was, just for the final year, news, the main news in the evening. And, of course, it would it would go wrong and the signal would drop or whatever. Right. But this was a huge development. So right. uh, and before that, when I was learning Welsh, you know, I couldn't – the course I had didn't have audio. And the Welsh radio channel is broadcast on um, FM. Mm-hmm. And in those days, most of the broadcasts in Britain were on the medium wave. And FM doesn't travel as far. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until I got to Wales sort of – a year into my learning that was able to actually listen to the language as well. Mm. So, and today it's just laughable really. Right. Uh, but that's such a joy as well. that right. It has become so much easier. We should, you know, if you're learning a big language and by that, I mean a language, um, well, it, it could be something like Icelandic or Welsh, which doesn't have so many actual speakers, but which has some sort of machinery and publishing industry behind it. Right. Then, you can find materials. And even with the you know, threatened languages, there's more and more things like wiki tongues mm-hmm. on the web where you can get exposure to them, isn't right. there? And,
0: Glossica a good example. Like, I mean, yes, Mike Glossica Campbell, as he does, well. He does yeah. lots, of, lots uh, of languages. A lot of, yeah. the, a lot of those uh, are for yeah, free yeah, if, if they're an endangered yes. language, which is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, just to argue the other side, though, um, in my interview with Lindsay Williams, she made the point that in some senses it's actually – Advantageous for languages where there's fewer materials, because then it's less noise, less distraction. You're you're wasting less of your bandwidth deciding what to use. You're just this is the only thing to use, so I'm going to use this. And even if it's not as good of a resource as is available for maybe other languages, you're not wasting that that mental energy on sort of paralysis by analysis that um, I know I can struggle with trying to find the perfect listening resource or the perfect reading resource that exactly fits my interests and my level and all these things so
1: that's that's very very true and again it's the fight for focus isn't it and against mm. distraction and always thinking there's going to be some magic pill in an, in right. the next thing that we acquire right and yeah making the most of less so having a few key resources mm. and really squeezing out of them much more by Using them in a much more interactive way, you right. know, doing all the exercises, doing dictation exercises from the audio, translating things backwards and forwards, making up your own questions about the text, and then trying to answer them a couple of days later. There are all sorts of things you can do. They won't all appeal to anybody, mm-hmm. but there are things you can do to squeeze more out of fewer materials, right. and then use the rest of the time and the budget for, you know, listening. Watching, getting to the country mm-hmm. and being out in the field. Right,
0: tutoring sessions too. To your point, yes, earlier. indeed. Right. Yes, and yeah. you can even use those together as well. I think that's a really powerful combination. Is you know, choose a book or a resource, even even a YouTube series or a Netflix series, and then say with your tutor, like, I'm going to watch this ahead of time. I'm going to make a list of of you know words or phrases I don't understand, and then we'll talk about it. And yeah. so then that tutor, their only homework is watch a TV show in their native language, it's
1: like,
0: <laughs> you know, yes, easy, yeah. done, uh, you know.
1: Exactly. And you can, you can ask them to ask you questions about it or you can just mm-hmm. tell them what you saw, tell them the right. story,
0: like a synopsis. Uh, right, you yeah.
1: know, the various things that we can do again, it, the more thought talking about these one-to-one sessions, you know, or in for that matter group classes, it's, you mm-hmm. know, the old step, the old cliche, isn't it? The more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. Right. Uh, and I've of course have language sessions where I rush in through the door, switch on Skype. I'm three minutes late, <laughs> and I haven't done any preparation. <laughs> it happens. Yes. But Ideally, uh, you are, you know, doing doing a preparation because you just get so much more out of it then.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's a it's a good a good lesson to to learn. Um, so just kind of to wrap up, um, we've talked about a few resources already. You know there's tutoring like things like italki or you mentioned pimsleur for for japanese for you know kind of getting your ears and your mouth used to the language um are there any other favorite resources in general or for japanese specifically that you've you've enjoyed
1: um i would say speaking in general using a site like italki to get work with tutors or language exchange partners is a really important resource. And that's the thing which has changed most in my language learning. We mentioned this earlier over the last five years, really. Uh, And the other thing is I'm a fan of textbooks. People think they're constricting, they're boring. But I think to have a textbook which provides you with some sort of backbone, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel here. So, although accepting the limitations of them, they can be a bit turgid. The language might not be so realistic. It depends on the course, of course. They might not, might not coincide with your interests. The fact is, at the beginning, we all need to cover more or less the same basics in a language. And having some sort of course book, whether it's a physical textbook or a course that you've bought online, whatever it is, to provide a sort of yeah, it's a backbone to your study, I think, is really useful. So I'm doing it that at the moment with this book, Japanese from Zero, this series, which I haven't looked at many others. I don't know whether it's the best one or not. It has its strengths and weaknesses, as far right. as I can well, it's see. But it's the one you have. I'm sticking and so, with it's it. the, so it's I'm the best one. With it, yes. <laughs> right. Rather than a couple of months in, oh, this isn't going as fast as I expected. Right, right. This has got this and that drawback that I didn't realize about initially. Should right. I switch to the other one? Right, no, right. because it will have another set of drawbacks right. to it. And then I will lose the sort of plan. Somebody has worked out what I need to know and some sort of logical, half logical way of presenting it. But I think there's something to be said for you know going for that. So let's Absolutely. not reinvent the wheel. You know, yeah.
0: no, I like that a lot. Um, recently, I've been reading a lot about cognitive distortions and how, you know, how we think about things affecting how we feel and how, you know, for me, it's been inflected as depression off and on for much of my adult life. Um, but I realized how much I've applied that cognitive distortion of thinking that the problem is the resource or or where I live or, you know, and I've moved and moved and moved trying to find some perfect place to live. And of course, wherever you go, there you are, right? And unless you deal with yes, yourself, yes, so. But the same thing to your point with these materials, you know, trying to find some perfect textbook or perfect resource, you know, they're all going to have their problems. So you might as well just to your point again, squeeze out every little drop from it and, and and use it for all it's worth before you go to the next one. So yeah, I love it. Any uh, final words of encouragement? So let's say somebody is just starting out in a language, maybe Japanese, they're intimidated they maybe struggled to learn a language in high school so they have this story in their head that they're not good at languages um there is so much out there there is so many methods and and materials what would you say to this person to sort of push them along
1: i would say do you really want to learn the language first Mm. of all Mm uh what level do you want to achieve Do you just want to order a few beers or do you want to eventually try and you know, be able to have conversations easily at an advanced level or what. Know why you're doing it. Make sure it's a strong enough reason because it is a long journey to get right. to a good level. And then you've got to let habit take over. So mm-hmm. carve out a slot, make it a part of your routine as as I do, and then break it down. You were talking about putting bricks in the wall and that can work at various levels with learning individual japanese characters or chunks of grammar or whatever it is or for example yeah i'm just i've got this month sabbatical now starting i've set myself some goals as to the time i'm going to put in what i'm going to be doing for the next month and that's my intermediate goal and i want to achieve that and focusing then on on the process so it's habit and a bit of community as well so Mm -hmm. that you're a bit accountable can be great if you're in a group with other learners or you have a tutor you can be accountable to, or you're just reporting back to somebody. I find that really helps you to develop your own track record right. as well. we starting so, a blog. Um, yeah. yeah, starting a blog. Right. Yeah, Maybe start trying to talk about your learning experiences or write a little bit even in the language. Never believe you can't do it, but do believe it's, it's as they say, um, it's simple but it's not easy. Yes. Uh, I think that's that's the thing. Yes. Uh, but do you really want it? You know, mm-hmm. uh, almost to to end on a maybe a downbeat note. But I sometimes <laughs> think fun. Is, there's a bit of a cult of fun among some language uh, language learners, uh, and yeah, you want to have fun. But you know, if you're going to run a marathon, or you know, become you know a master in any walk of life, it mm-hmm. does involve knuckling down. Yes. So, yes, enjoy the process, but make it a habit and, you know, you will find that if you look back then in three months, in six months, in six years, you will be astonished at what you've managed to achieve without even realising it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, look at you, case case in point. And I, yeah, (laughs) look forward to seeing, uh, maybe having some conversations, Maybe, in uh yes, yeah, in a few months here, <laughs> absolutely,
1: so. yes, absolutely, I look forward to it too, so I hope to see you in Japan, John, I
0: hope so, yeah, sounds good, all right, well, good luck with your uh sabbatical i'm I'm envious, but I realize I could probably design my own sabbatical since. My boss is myself. He, he's kind of a jerk sometimes, but I think I could probably negotiate some time off. <laughs> you
1: better start negotiations then with him. <laughs> yes, indeed.
0: All right. Well, Dr. Gareth Popkins, thank you so much. And we will be in touch soon.
1: Thank you very much. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening. For show notes, go to languagemastery.com slash show. And if you'd like to support the show, there are two things you can do. Go to iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast and leave a five-star review. It helps more people find us. Or if you're learning Japanese, go to JapaneseMastery.com and check out my Master Japanese Guide, which shows you exactly how to create an immersion environment no matter where in the world you happen to live. All right, we'll see you next Friday.